you're very welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. Pori, good morning Good to morning, you. good morning, listeners. We have a busy programme, I think, on the cards today. We sure uh, do. I noticed questions were coming in at around about a quarter past seven this morning. Wow. So People um, are up and at it. Up and at good. it, absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose... Oh, what a uh, fabulous morning. It is. I mean, it? it would make you feel good. I always mean to get up just a couple of minutes earlier uh, that I could even stop along the way and take the odd photograph or two because sunrise this morning was really stunning Beautiful, but yeah, yeah. I'm afraid as always uh, I might have hit the snooze button before, <laughs> before, before I got up so it's still on the long finger uh, one of these mornings we will and we'll, we'll send a tweet or a, a Facebook post or whatever but anyway good morning we have lots to cover we're going to start with vegetables today we are and uh, we're just to, just to note as well that the frost is still uh, each night we're getting quite a, a, a good grass frost so people should be just a little bit careful with some tender plants things like bedding plants it can be very tempting on a day like today to start planting out your summer bedding plants your begonias and busy lizzies and geraniums but remember the frost at night will affect those plants and also tender plants like tomatoes or cucumbers or any of the tender vegetables do watch those because even within a tunnel or a greenhouse you can get penetrating frost so cover them at night time with a little bit of garden fleece but yeah it's 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 certainly great weather for planting vegetables in particular and most vegetables can be planted out of doors at this time of year and in particular I was actually looking at uh, through the at the garden center last night and in particular the onion range caught my eye and there's there's a lovely new variety of onion uh, called Bridstro B-I-Z-T-R-O Bridstro it's actually a spicy onion spicy flavoured a spicy onion yeah it's actually what kind of spicy am I putting on the spot there no it's it's actually got a um, quite a spicy Flavor. I mean, kind of on the pepper like scale, like chili. a chili, yeah, pepper okay. or chili stage. So it's quite got a, heat to it. it. There's a lot of heat to it. It's it's actually a, a shallot variety, so you grow it for your salads in particular, um, or you can let it mature as a full size uh, shallot at the end of the summer. But particularly good. So Britstro, so B I Z T R O. Look for that. It's actually a particularly good variety for listeners um, to, for bolting. Some some shallot varieties run to seed very easily okay. but that's what we mean by bolting, bolting yep. so that one in particular is quite good but it's got a very unusual flavour and then there's the more common varieties like uh, yellow moon which is a nice uh, yellow skinned onion red sun which is red and one which I grew last year one called snowball which is actually a pure white like a great uh, name yeah and it is. It's actually pure white. It stores extremely well during the uh, winter period. And that produces the full-size onions. So there's one called Snowball. It's available in sets at the moment, little bulbs that you can plant at this time of year. So pl- the planting out of onions, that can occur at this time of year in April and early May. Planting of potatoes, really people should finish that off now, get them into the ground, particularly with this dry weather. It's ideal weather for getting them in. For listeners that have planted their potatoes early, some of them are beginning to peep through the soil. And remember the potatoes, as they come through the soil, are frost sensitive. So cover them over again with a little bit of garden soil. So just till up the soil, particularly if your spuds are beginning to pop through. If you're growing them in pots and containers, and um, particularly if you plant them back in March, they'll be peeping through at this stage. So just watch that and, and avoid the tips being burned. Now, it's only a temporary setback. Mm-hmm. If it has occurred, they'll reshoot again and be perfectly fine. And then, dear, to the planting out of the general vegetable, like cabbage is a very good variety called hispe, which is a six-week cabbage. So if you plant it today, within six to seven weeks, you've got yourself young cone-shaped uh, cabbage 
brilliant, a brilliant variety called Hispe. One that if you plant on a regular basis, every two, maybe every three weeks, you'll get continuous cropping right through the summer. And Hispe is particularly good for small areas as well. If you've got raised beds mm. or tunnels or greenhouse, it's a very compact variety because it's got this really solid conical shape so it's very very neat and tidy um, and particularly good as a young cabbage as well you can actually crop it from nearly four to five weeks um, if, you know so that's quite a good one the savoy cabbages are available as well they're the more curly kind of the greener you know, ones yeah the greener yeah. very green color with kind of that ribbed or or um, curly nearly uh, structure to the leaf a little bit like curly kale so they're available for planting now and again we associate generally the savoys with winter cropping but if you plant them at this time of year they're lovely in in july early august so again get those into the ground and they're perfectly safe for planting outside same with brussels sprouts all the the regular veg now can be actually planted out of doors and the plants are available peas beans um you know all of the uh the things like parsley can be planted out now Uh, all the cabbage family anything in the cabbage family can go out and lettuce and any of your salad crops really can be planted out for the greenhouse and tunnel it's really tomatoes so again the planting of tomatoes varieties like red profusion Mm -hmm. sweet aperitif which is a lovely sweet variety cherry for, uh, tomato very heavy cropper uh, sweet 100 another really good one sun baby which is a lovely yellow variety as well so they should be planted up now put into your greenhouse or tunnel or if you've garden cloche I planted some last weekend in a pot and just cover them with a, a, a little garden plastic cloche and they're sitting outside in a sunny area and still doing perfectly fine and uh, Again, chilies, this is the time for planting. We mentioned chilies there, and this is the time for actually planting chili plants in the garden. Now, chilies are actually a great way for getting again getting the children involved because a chili plant will actually grow on your windowsill. So you don't need a greenhouse or tunnel, you can simply pot it up. They are perennial plants. So you know the lovely um cherry uh, the cherry plant, the Christmas cherry that people buy at Christmas time. It's got lovely red little berries oh, right. on it. Yeah. They call it, people will know right, is it. it, it, is it yeah, it's a Christmas, Christmas cherry. It doesn't strike a note, which I can see. Blank veil over the face. <laughs> Sorry so for it's it. an indoor plant. Yeah. Uh, it's called the Christmas cherry because it produces these lovely little berries, but it's actually in the same family as the chili. It's uh, okay. in the Sol- Sol- Solanaceae family. Um, and chilies by nature are actually perennial plants. You will have them free from year to year if you simply cut them back after fruiting. But this is the time of year to pot them up. Simply put them into a nate or maybe a 10-inch pot, sit them on your windowsill, water them, give them an odd bit of tomato feed and you'll have fantastic chilies from about the middle of July okay. or August right the way through to autumn. And then when you finish picking the plant in autumn, you simply cut it back, it re-kicks into growth the following spring and you've got yourself a bigger and better chilli plant. Okay, so you'll so, have your own chilli plant as such. You can have it for years. years. You can actually grow them for years. And uh, can we get the different kinds of varieties of chilies? Absolutely. I, just, I, I, I love chilies myself. So, there's you know, so there's kind of, there's hotter varieties. The jalapenos. Yeah, the jalapenos, you, you the can, bird's eye absolutely. ones. Absolutely. They're all available at the moment. There's a very good variety called it's, it's an F1 variety, which means where you see the symbol F1, it means that the plant has been hybridised. It's been bred for a particular ability. So Apache, there's a lovely one called F1 Apache, which is a, a very, very bright red uh, chilli. Very good cropper. Plant it now. You'll have lots of pickings from July right through to September. It's a really nice one, quite a hot one, uh, if you like hot peppers. But yeah, all the different varieties can be grown um, from plants at this time of year. And they're so simple to grow. So And quite an attractive plant as well when they come into flower. And all the different colours, the yellows, the purples, the green chilies, mm. and the red 
chilies as well. So the planting up, same with cucumbers, they can be planted this time of year. Again, they need a bit more space, so your tunnel or greenhouse is ideal for them. Things like vegetable marrows are also available. So the planting up, really, of vegetable plants in particular, this is the time of year to get them into the ground. Kitchen herbs as well, so all the popular kitchen herbs. And I, I often say that, you know, the herbs come to us from the Mediterranean. They're one of the easiest plants to grow. They're very undemanding. They dislike heavy rich soils so they actually do very well in pots and containers and even if you neglect them for a couple of days or a couple of weeks they seem to do so much better mm. um, so, and so and again if your children are fond of say pizzas or Italian dishes grow the herbs then that, that you're going to use so things like oregano, marjoram uh, basil, rosemary, thyme they're really popular for the pizza and Italian yeah. dishes. And if some of those are really easy to they're grow. They're so easy to yeah, grow. Even I have them. And they're perennial. They come back year after year. They do super in, in pots and containers in a window box. You can simply plot, pot them up. And a great little project. I mean, within 10 or 15 minutes, you've got yourself your own edible kitchen herbs that will provide you with herbs right through the season. But grow the popular ones that you're going to use. If your your family is fond of kind of meat dishes, well, then it's more things like sage, thyme, thyme, rosemary, parsley, chives, all of those, again, put them into a window box. You've got fantastic herbs right through the season. The trick with herbs, really, is not to wash them too often. Give them the occasional liquid feed, but keep picking them right through the season. And even though you mightn't use the actual clip pieces, mm. you can freeze them, you can dry them, you can store them. You can use, and some like oregano is actually better dried. The flavour is actually it's stronger, stronger intense, yeah. if, you, if you dry it, first of all. So the planting up of herbs, that should happen at this time of year. Lavender is very popular. Again, a great bee plant. And again, it's just coming into flower at the moment. So it will flower right through to the end of the summer. Lavender is a plant that if you take a sprig of it and slip it into your pillowcase, you'll sleep like a baby. Is that the trick? <laughs> That's all the right. trick. <laughs> That's why I'm so fresh every Saturday morning. So a lavender in the pillowcase. Um, but it's a great plant, fantastic in pots and containers again. Um, it'll make a nice little low hedge. But again, like most Mediterranean plants, lavender needs very, very free draining soil and a sunny location. But a great plant. It's edible as well. You can eat the flowers of lavender. You can eat the foliage of lavender as well. But small amounts because it's quite it's strong. Quite, yeah, it's yeah quite, so you only need a really small amount of it. So... That's the veg garden. Lots to do in the, in the garden. Get the plants out now. Um, really good planting conditions. The other thing I thought we might just feature are roses because mm. this is the time of year for planting roses in the garden. If you want colour this summer, then you need to plant over the next week or, or 10 days. And there's some beautiful varieties, um, again, available. I, I thought I'd feature more varieties for scent this morning. So those that maybe, you know, Great. particularly for scent um, and particularly for cutting. And there's a lovely old variety called Piccadilly, which is a two-toned rose. It's a hybrid tea rose. Um, hybrid teas generally produce the larger blooms, which are perfect for cutting and putting into vases. And Piccadilly is a two-tone, so it has this kind of bicolours, so it's red and yellow. Lovely long stems. The plant itself doesn't grow too tall, about two and a half feet, but it produces fantastic scented roses right through the summer. Another good one called Troika, which means three. three. And again, Troika tends to have three different colours in the flower. So it's lovely variety, very light scent of Troika, quite a nice variety, one to plant now. Arthur Bell, if you want a nice yellow rose, it's uh, a floribunda, which means it produces many flowers. And Arthur Bell, again, very, very strong scent. It's a real deep yellow in bud. And then as it opens, it opens to a lighter shade of yellow. So 
quite a nice variety again it repeats all through the summer so that's Arthur Bell a lovely variety actually to mix with it is Trumpeter which is the red Floribunda Rose and they both they work extremely well together in terms of flower colour you have the bright yellow of the Arthur Bell and the beautiful dark red of the Trumpeter Rose Just Joy if you want an orange rose, really bright, oh. the colour of, of, a, of a citrus orange, then Just Joey is a lovely one. Again, it's a hybrid tea, great for cutting. Um, and again, fantastic scent of Just Joey. English Miss is, a again, a floribunda, very light pink. So those are like pink roses. Pink roses. Particularly light pink roses, kind of bordering on a whitish pink. Then that's a lovely variety called English Miss. And, Miss, and again, it's highly scented. And again, the carpet roses. This is the time if you want to cover banks and slopes, you want something hardy, maybe a rose that'll grow in a seaside area. Then the, the flower carpet roses, they're great. They come in a whole range of different colours, the pinks, the yellows, whites. And are they as scented, the carpet no, roses? No, carpet roses aren't. But all the others that I mentioned are very good for scent. So carpet roses are really grown for carpeting the ground, for bank slopes, kind of more difficult areas or exposed areas that do really well. This is the time of year to get them in and plant them in groups of threes or fives to get that clustered effect. And generally when planting roses, you're better off to plant... Uh, you know, groups of the same variety because it tends to look better. They all flower at the same time. They're a uniform height and they need the same care. If you haven't pruned your roses, then go out and prune them this weekend. And a lot of people haven't. Okay, I suppose people are just afraid or just ah, haven't, they, they or just haven't got Leave it on the long finger, okay. yeah. So, yeah. And that's very excusable this year because yeah. of the, 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 the late spring. But if you haven't trimmed them, get out and trim them now. Tidy them up. Take any weeds and grasses away from the base. Feed your roses now. And as soon as they produce the first flush of growth, put on the Rose Rescue or one of the proprietary rose treatments just to keep them clean of pest and diseases. So start early with them. So kind of get your garden kick-started. And in general, this weekend will be an ideal. The growth You can see the growth now in the last mm. week or 10 days. This is the time of year for general pruning of summer flowering shrubs like hydrangeas or fuchsias should be pruned at this time of year, but also the feeding of plants. So if you want to, because it's been such a wet winter, uh, you know, you see it in the fields, they're so yellow. A lot of nutrition has been leached away from plants this year. Laurels are showing a lot of yellowing. So the, the natural nutrition has been washed away this winter. So it is important to feed plants in general and use a slow released tree and shrub fertilizer. So don't be tempted to put on agricultural feed because you'll just drive the plants right. mad. Yeah. So some put on something that's going to be very slow release. So a tree and shrub feed is ideal. A couple of handfuls around the base of the plant. The dew at night time will wash it in and uh, the plants will kick into growth and, and bring colour back into them again. So generally the, the pruning back of summer plants, the feeding of plants, certainly the pruning of roses and feeding of roses now and also the planting conditions are ideal, not just for roses but for putting in hedges or trees or shrubs or vegetables or herbs or whatever. So whatever you've been thinking about now is the time. Now, this weekend, and I will promise reasonably dry weather yeah. right into next week. Do, don't worry about the frost at night time. That really only applies to the bedding bird. plants yeah. and tender plants. In terms of kind of the general planting of plants, of trees and shrubs and vegetables and herbs, it's perfectly They're fine to put them out of doors. The glasshouse crops certainly yeah. do need to be covered yeah. and minded, but apart from that, everything else can really go out now and, and be planted into the soil. Okay, great. But we have a couple of plants in Studio Park. Yeah, I brought a Great scent off them. Yeah, well, this particular plant, and I, I, we, we've spoken about it before, but this is the lemon-scented geranium. I thought I'd bring it into studio today. Let you have a sniff yes, of that. Yes, I can, I, I can absolutely, smell it from here. It's fabulous, isn't it? It is fabulous, yeah. So th this is the lemon-scented geranium called Orange Fizz. Mm -hmm. um, in particular, it's an edible plant, but it's full of citronella. So when you actually crush the leaves or if you put it on a bright windowsill, it excretes the, an oil that smells of lemon. 
even though we call it uh, orange fizz, it's, it smells to me more of, of, of lemon or that really strong is. citrusy smell. Mm. The interesting thing about the plant, it is edible. You can eat the leaves and you can eat the flowers. You can use it to flavour soups or stews or in any cooking and salads. You can eat it raw if you wish. Um, Lovely as well to freeze in ice cubes. You can use it in drinks during the summertime. But the other interesting thing about the plant is that the black flies and the midges dislike this plant. So it's a natural repellent of flies in the home in particular. And if you put it on a bright windowsill, you'll actually smell it when you come in in the evening time. It'll actually have created that scent, which... So the heat of the, the heat day is, is, is releasing the scent. Exactly, a sunny windowsill. It is in the geranium family and, and like most geraniums, it likes that kind of bright, sunny location. So a bright windowsill, a patio, a conservatory is the place to put this plant. But also any place that you want to ward off flies or midges, it's fantastic. And you can often just even touch the leaf you don't have to crush the leaf. Just even touching the leaf will excrete the, the oils as well. You can also diffuse the leaves. If you take some of the leaves and put them into warm water, you can use that as a spray as well to deter flies. So people always look for it at this time of year. This is the time to get it. It's a plant called Orange Phase, cracking little plant. And you have it from year to year and it propagates so easy from cuttings as well. The other plant I brought is actually related to the lemon-scented geranium. This is, again, is the English geranium or the English pelargonium. It's the old traditional type geranium and again it's just coming into flower at the moment. The flowers are that lovely kind of lavender, purpley lavender pinkish sort of colour. Again it's just blooming now. Sit that on a windowsill and again it will flower the whole summer long. So both of those plants brilliant at this time of year. They re- need really, they're indoor, keep them in a bright sunny location. They can be planted out later on in the summer if you wish but generally they're used as you know, if you, I think last week we had somebody looking for a plant for a conservatory, a very warm conservatory climber. You could also grow the likes of the yes. lemon centered geranium or the English pelargonium inside in a warm area and they'll just flower the whole summer long. The lemon centered geranium actually flowers as well. It produces a lovely kind I know, of see, lavender. I know it, it's not in flower as yet no. now, but, but even the scent alone Isn't is it just stunning. Yeah. It really and any, it's, I always get that reaction from people when you hand them a leaf because the plant looks so insignificant mm. when you see it, but once you touch it, and you hand it to anyone, a child or anyone. And it's really, I can smell it off my fingertips <laughs> still, you know, so it's not... And it will last. It's not, it's not a short-lived thing. No, no, yeah. it will actually car- carry its scent. So they're just two, two little novel plants that... Um, are available at the moment and yeah and and certainly this one has great purposes great in a gin and tonic as well I can highly recommend it (laughs) I don't need too much temptation on that okay let's move on to some questions for it I have them on email on whatsapp on text and uh, by phone call this morning Uh, how to stop hairs eating shrubs. No. <laughs> the a, board I, all I here. We've had lots of questions and they're about not, they're wildlife very, and animals in general uh, in recent weeks. Very active at the moment actually. Yeah. It's great to see the hares out. I think it's a lovely sign of the springtime when you see them bouncing around. But hares love to eat shrubs. They love to eat bark on trees as well. And because they're, they're, uh, they tend to kind of up on their hind legs and, and they can eat bark up, right up to a metre along a tree. And that can be quite devastating. So if it's on trees you can actually get guards, hair guards or rabbit guards that actually fit around the stem of the tree. And that stops the hairs from munching on the bark. Because if they skin the, the tree in a circular pattern, the tree dies. So a young tree should be protected from hairs and you can simply put on what we call a rabbit guard or a, a hair guard. And it actually, it's a it's a swivel, it's, it's kind of a, 
a twisted plastic unit that expands as the tree expands. So once you put it on, you just leave it there and it stops them from munching, munching. on the actual bark. If it's plants, trees and shrubs, if it's shrubs, where they're eating the leaves of the plants and the stems, you can use the grazers treatment, which again is calcium. It's sold as grazers. It's a liquid. You mix it in water, you spray it onto your shrubs and that'll stop rabbits hares, goats, well, goats might be slightly different, but certainly pigeons, anything that will actually rip or damage the leaves of plants. And the grazers can be safely used on vegetables, flowers and shrubs. So it's, 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 it's an organic, it's basically made from, from calcium, so it's very safe to use. Okay. Uh, now, black kale. Uh, yeah. Can we ask Poirik about growing black kale? Is it easy and how many plants would I plant? Well, you don't need an awful lot. I mean, if you plant 10 to 12 plants, it will serve you with kale right through until next spring, to be honest, if you plant it now. So black kale comes to us from Tuscany. It's often called the Tuscany black kale. Oh, okay. And uh, initially, they've, they've grown it for generations. It's high in vitamins. Um, very simple plant to grow. So it grows like a Brussels sprout. So you plant it at this time of year. The plants are maybe six or eight inches high at the moment. Plant it into the garden soil. As it grows the young, the older leaves at the base get wider and, and quite long mm. and the, the best way to harvest it is actually just to peel it so take the older leaves as it's producing leaves just literally strip them off the plant so is it quite a solid type of a head it is it's a ver- like well a it doesn't produce no no it doesn't produce a head as such it produces basically foliage leaves so but it grows on a stem so brussels sprouts will grow about a meter high and the the black kale does exactly the same thing you have a central stem with the leaves coming off so you're actually eating the leaves a bit like spinach okay. um the leaves tend to be on the black kale they're very very dark green. They're very high in, in uh, vitamins, in a wide range of vitamins um, and it's one of these kind of acti- axi- anti-oxygen or anti-toxin anti-toxin plants. So it's it's a particularly, you know, it would be revered as one of the kind of top plants to grow in, and, and eat um, garden kale, black kale in particular. It's winter hardy, yep. so if you plant it this time of year, you can use it right through the summer and you can right, use it right through the winter as well. It'll <coughs> tolerate kind of minus 10, minus 15. And if anything, it's probably even better in the winter months. So really good pl- plant to plant. Plant 8 to 10, maybe 12 plants in your garden. You'll have kale the whole summer long and you'll have it right through the winter as well. During the summer months, the leaves are very soft, so you can actually eat them raw. You can Ooh, use so them in salads. Salad exactly, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're, um, you know, they're, they're quite tender. Okay, so, and is it? Is, it's not like curly kale now, where it's that harder. Uh, well, as we go through winter, the, the leaves toughen up, okay. and and uh, yes, yeah, so you you need to cook it during the winter period, like like um, you know curly cabbage or, mm. or curly kale. But during the su- the spring and summer months, it's actually quite soft, and you can literally eat it raw. Excellent. So it's well worth growing. Plant it now. The plants are available at the moment. It also comes in a green form as well, green kale. There's lots of different varieties of it. I have a large sunny patio and want to plant some fruiting and usable plants like herbs and veg. Will they grow in pots or should I make beds? Yeah, well, like I said at the start of the programme, the, the herbs do very well in pots, window boxes, patio planters. Um, if you're planting fruit, things like strawberries do well in pots, blueberries do very well in pots. We talked about the family apple tree, the little dwarf coronet apple trees. They do brilliantly in terracotta pots, plant around the base them with strawberries. So as long as you pick the, the fruiting plants suitable for pots and containers, then it's 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 totally doable. Uh, vegetables again, you can grow in in pots and containers. There's actually a, a little unit called the Garland raised bed, which is a literally a plastic raised bed. It's a meter by a meter. You simply put it together, fill it with compost or or compost and soil, and you can plant quite a, a wide range of vegetables in that, including potatoes. So maybe look for those as well. So it's a 
it's made by Garland. It's a literally a little plastic raised bed, metre by a metre. That would be ideal as well. But most vegetables you can grow in pots and containers. The key thing is to keep them well watered, well fed during the summer. Because it's a sunny patio, there's quite a wide range of plants you'll be able to grow there. So okay. give it a go. Now, I love this. I have a confirmation tomorrow. We're having a family barbecue. What's in flower now to plant in pots? I need the place <laughs> looking well. Last so, minute. Sounds like somebody will be rushing in for a bit of colour. Well, look at this. It's a great time of year because there's a lot of plants um, just coming in or in bloom at the moment. So even the, the little pelargoniums I was chatting about today, they're showing a bit of colour now. Yeah. But things like blue campanulas, uriops is showing lovely colour, senetii, the senetii, which comes in a range of different colours, even that in pots on its own would give you lots of colour. They're in full bloom at the moment, but they'll continue to flower for the rest of the summer as well. The little dianthus, are again, are flowering at the moment. Violas are showing a lot of colour, pansies. So pop into your local garden centre with my advice. Maybe bring your pots in, they'll plant them up for you. Or there's lots of colour available at the moment, so it's, it's, it's a really good time. OK, great stuff. Uh, now, how to grow potatoes, please, on boggy ground? Well, the, the, the difficulty with boggy soil, what they mean here is... Um, uh, you know, it's bog nature, it's turf, it's it's peaty. So it's quite low in nutrition and, and potatoes by nature are very hungry plants. So what you need to add is plenty of organic matter. So if you've got your hands on some uh, old farmer compost, uh, cattle manure, horse manure, um, mushroom compost, something that's organic and dig your trenches, fill the base of them with the organic matter and plant your potatoes into that and then feed with a, a, a traditional vegetable fertiliser during the summer months. There are varieties like uh, Golden Wonders that actually love that boggy natured soil and do really well in a boggy natured soil. Blue Danube is another one that, that likes that. Um, records will do very well in boggy soil as well but you do need to enrich the soil so if you put in the organic matter they'll be super successful um, and you put some ag- some granulated fertiliser during the summer months as well just to keep the nutrition levels going. Mm, okay. So yeah, it's it's um, carrots as well do ca- actually quite good in, in boggy soil. Again, if you it's about enriching the soil really. Okay, putting a bit of nutrition in there so the plants have, so have to feed to on. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, how do I get rid of leather jackets or grubs eating my newly sown lettuce from the roots? Oh. Uh, normally we hear about leather jackets in lawns, but I don't well, know. Well, leather jackets... I suppose they'll attack anything, Of course they? they will. They'll eat, they'll know, they're not too particular, <laughs> the leather jacket. So the leather jacket is the larvae of the crane fly of our daddy long legs. So when you see the daddy long legs in your tunnel or greenhouse or uh, out on your lawn in the autumn, that's what they're doing. They're literally laying the eggs for next, next year's generation. And those leather jackets have actually hatched out since September of last year. So they've been feeding all winter, um, either on grass or weeds or lettuce plants mm-hmm. or cabbage plants. And um, the, the treatment really to use are the nematodes, particularly where it's it's edible plants. You want to be, you know, obviously you don't want to be using pesticides as such or insecticide. So you can get yourself some of the nematodes. It's a little tad early yet, maybe another week or 10 days they'll be available. You simply mix them up in a watering can, put them around the base of the lettuce plants and the, the nematodes will feed on the, the leather jackets. So they're parasitic. They actually munch them away and get rid of them in that way. So that's really the way to treat for them. Okay, great. Uh, now, can I put down membrane under bark or is it only for stones? 
No, no, you could, the membrane, so the listener is talking about the weed membrane, Plantex. Um, so that can be used. So what it basically does is it it, um, it suppresses the weeds, it keeps the light away from the germinating seeds and acts as a physical barrier. The, the bark or the stone is used just for decorative purposes, really just to hide the membrane. So you can use bark, which is perfectly fine, or the, the chippings. What you will find with the bark is that it will, because it's an organic matter, it will decompose over time and you have to keep it topped up. Whereas at least with the pebbles, once they're down, that's it really. They're, they're there forever. Um, so long term, the pebbles would probably be a better option. But certainly you can use the Plantex and bark together. Um, no problem whatsoever. Uh, also, uh, Tom is in Castle Bar. He's wondering, he's got rust-like colour on blackcurrant leaves and they're curling up. Well, that's a sure sign that Tom has got aphids on his blackcurrants. So <clears throat> generally aphids or green fly will attack uh, blackcurrants on the underside of the leaf. And the leaf will tell you that it's been attacked because it'll blister up or it'll produce these kind of rusty bubbles or or blister-like raised areas on the leaf. So it's very distinctive. So if you turn the leaf over, you'll actually see the the green fly there. So it's really just a matter of getting rid of the green fly. So again, you can use use one of the safe um, insecticides like Bug Clear is very suitable for all fruiting plants. So Bug Clear mixed in water, apply it onto the underside of the leaf in particular, and that'll just eradicate uh, the green fly. So it's a sure sign with blackcurrants when you see that kind of uh, blistering. That, yeah, and that's quite important, the fact that it's the underside of the leaf. Because yes. Because a lot of us might just put it on the top. The plant or whatever. Yeah. And so always put it up on, on the underside. The, the aphids are there on the underside because the rain won't wash them away. <laughs> so the leaf is actually protecting them. And and they, the because the leaf blisters, the aphids actually go up into the blister and they're nearly protected again. Right. So you do need to direct the spray in under the leaf. It's a, it's a good time in general anyway for treating the likes of blackcurrants, gooseberries. Most of the fruiting plants with a little bit of uh, an insecticide at this time of year because you, you're kind of preventing the problem that's going to occur anyway. So gooseberries, for example, always get the the, um, the sawfly, gooseberry sawfly, mm-hmm. which is a small caterpillar that strips the leaves of gooseberries. So if you've got gooseberries in your garden, if you treat them now, you'll prevent that problem. And remember, the fruit isn't going to appear until late summer. So it's perfectly safe to do it at this time of year. And bug clear by nature anyway is a very safe treatment to put on to fruiting plants anyway. So do keep an eye. As the temperatures start to warm up, we're going to see the green fly coming back. And, and it's, it's all about preventing and snipping it in the bud rather than being a huge problem in and the middle then, of June. Right, yeah, and same with the roses. You know, if you, start, if you start early and you prevent the problem, then, you know, you don't have the problem, but basically... Okay. Uh, now, my granddaughter is celebrating her communion this weekend, as Lovely. are lots of people. Yeah, it's we busy, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Anyway, she loves pretty pink flowers. Okay. Is there any tree or plant that I could plant now with her? Well, there's lots of lovely pink flowers at the moment. I mean, the beautiful uh, cherries are, are, are stunning at the moment with, with pink, you know, varieties like Prunus Kansan are, are showing lovely shades of pink. There's another lovely tree called Magnolia Susan, which is... Um, wouldn't it be brilliant if the daughter, if the granddaughter was called Susan? Yeah, but well, that would be perfect for us. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a lovely variety of uh, magnolia. Many of the magnolias are in flower they at the are, moment. They are. You can really see them. Yeah, that's a lovely shade of pink. Um, it's in full flower at the moment, and it will flower at this time of year every year and make a small tree up to about eight or nine feet in height. So maybe plant one of those or one of the flowering cherries would be lovely at this time of year. Which if if it's pink is 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 certainly the plant. Yeah. yeah, but there's lots of other good garden plants with pink just showing the sonetias are lovely shades of pinks as well so there's plenty of pink there's plants no, there's no shortage of pink yeah, in plants absolutely <laughs> and, and particularly at this time of year there's lots of them just beginning to flower and remember they'll always flower 
at, at this, this time of year. At this time of year so next it, year. Yeah, so if you're looking to create an annual memory, a memory as such, exactly. uh, you know, maybe something along the cherries or one of the trees that are that are going to come. They're showing colour at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Right, Pork. Let's go to one. Uh, some images that we have here. Camellia yeah. uh, that has been sent in. So let's just have a quick look. Have we a name to go with this? Uh, Christine, good morning to you. She's a camellia plant growing very well and it does look really good. But the problem is that the flowers turn brown and die off shortly after blooming. Mm. I attached some photos of the plant. It's planted on an east facing wall. Can you let her know if it has a disease and if so, uh, is it treatable or has it been affected by the weather? Yeah, I mean, the good news is there's no disease here. Okay, whew. So what, what we're seeing really is is the, the staining on the flowers. And east-facing, the problem with east-facing is you get the morning sun. And particularly on camellias and particularly during cold, frosty nights, if you get morning sun on the buds, it turns them brown, unfortunately. So I would advise possibly moving it, not at this time of year, but next autumn, October, November. Camellias are better on west-facing where they're getting evening sun or slightly north-facing uh, walls or, or areas that's really the place for them because the buds get time to thaw out before the old sun comes on them so it's really just staining on the flowers very common on camellias and um, it's, it's really a location problem the way it's facing rather than anything else yeah, so it's a fine looking plant it's a beautiful plant the, he- the leaves are very healthy there's tons of flower on it um, and as you find what you'll find is as we get into later on in a couple of weeks time with the, when the frost is actually has stopped you won't get that staining. The flowers will come true perfectly fine. So the key thing really is re- just to feed the plant now with the liquid feed. Mm-hmm. Feed camellias and rhododendrons in general after flowering. Build them up for next year. And I would lift that plant and transplant it somewhere else next season because it's going to be an annual problem. It's going to, the staining of the flowers, particularly during cold cold weather like we're having at the moment. And would a bit of fleece uh, assist to that plant? Well, it would if you leave the fleece on until maybe 11 or 12 o'clock in the day. Right. If you, you know, that will help. But you, you need to take, you'd have to be taking it off every day. You would. Okay. All so right. they're better, camellias are always better on a, a slightly north, west facing where they're getting evening sun, mm. mi- you know, from midday onwards rather than early morning sun. Okay, I bought a selection of bulbs in boxes. Should I sow them in pots or straight into the ground? They're summer flowering. Do I use chicken manure pellets when sowing? Well, I would start, it depends what what, what mixture the listener has, but you could have things like dahlias or irises or um, nearine bulbs. There's lots of bulbs that you plant at this time of year for summer colour. Some of them are semi-tender, like dahlias. So to be safe, I would plant them up in pots, first of all, in regular garden compost. Don't use any chicken manure and grow them on in, on a windowsill, in a bright patio area or even even outside in a sheltered, sunny location, but cover them at night time with a little bit of fleece. And at least you'll see them growing in the pots. You can take them safely from the pots then in June and plant them out where you want them to flower. So, they're, they're uh, you know, it's probably a safer way to do it. So, look, at just pot them up into a couple of pots or trays. Keep them ideally indoors if you can on a bright, sunny window. Keep them nice and moist. They'll sprout within a, a week or 10 days. And then with a view to planting them out from early June onwards. Now, um, how do I plant rose cuttings? There, there are leaves on them, and I have them in water at the moment. Okay, and and, the, the, and, and if they have rooted, so they should root, and rose cuttings will root simply in water if you stick them into water. So you'll see small little white roots coming out of the base of the shoots. You simply pot them up now into compost. So again, get yourself maybe f- you know three to four inch pots, small pots, regular potting compost. Simply pot them up. You can safely put them out of doors again in a sunny spot. Leave them for four to six weeks to root into the pots well and then they can be planted out into the garden. So 
make sure that they've rooted first of all. So you'll see the little small white roots uh, right at the base of the mm. cutting in, in the water. So I literally just pot them up into, into a couple of containers, leave them outside and with a view then to plant them kind of the end of June uh, into the flowering, the final flowering position. Okay, now we have a picture um, from Sarah um, and Sarah has given us um, a photograph of her flower box park which we have had a look at but it's really uh, rather covered in what appears to be various weeds so she's wondering um, can you tell her what this plant is? Mm. Well it looks like Chervil. Take it over the flower box. Yeah, yeah. and um, there's a mixture of different weeds in it and often we were just chatting about this sometimes when you have when you're feeding your birds in particular the wild garden birds the seed tends to be a collection of a whole load the different from oats to barley to all sorts of bits yeah. and pieces. Sunflower Mazes, seeds. I've sunflower seen sunflowers seeds. appear under a hedge one yeah. year where they were from the bird the bird feed table. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So it looks like that's what's happened and, and you're getting a, a generation of a mixture uh, of different plants there. So look at, I would just clean out the boxes now, take off the weeds, just don't put them onto your compost heap and uh, replace the containers with some fresh compost and start planting them up with a bit of colour. Okay, great. Uh, now, um, established trees with moss on established trees and Castle. Yeah, well, and moss, look, we're seeing lots of moss, not on, alone on your trees, but on your tarmacadam, on your lawns and so on. I would use the treatment, and I have used the treatment that I use on the lawns. The Zero is actually very effective at controlling moss and lichen on trees as well. And you can safely spray it onto the bark and the branches of trees at this time of year. So simply make this, mix the Zero up, 1 to 10. A day like today would be ideal. You can spray it onto the bark, wet the bark, wet the branches. The moss will die within a day. Now, I have loads of old tractor rims and tyres. Can I set vegetable and potatoes in them or will the metal affect it? No, the metal won't affect it, but you can simply just use the tyres on their own. Uh, literally just stack the tyres one on top of the other up to, you know, and what, what we often do is just plant the first or second, put two tyres together, put the compost in, plant the, the uh, potatoes and then as they're growing, put another rim of tyre <clears throat> on top with fresh compost. So kind of layer it, as it were. So you're going to have different potatoes cons- consistently it, over a period of time? Well, what will happen is that the, the, the potatoes will actually produce new potatoes as you add each tyre, each rim and fresh compost. It will actually pre- start to produce young potatoes right up, up the way along. So you could go kind of three potatoes, mm. three tyres high, I should say. Um, so tyres, and look at anything that will hold compost will grow potatoes. So big pots, tyres... Um, you know, use a good quality compost and mix some soil through that. A little bit of organic matter if you can as well. And look, at now's the time to get them implanted. It's a great way to grow them. Okay. Now, I <coughs> have uh, the back wall of my house is covered with black centipedes, millipedes every morning. Uh, how do I get rid of them? I have a security light that's on all night. Would that be attractive? Yes, them? it does. The okay, light does attracts it? them. Turn off the light. <laughs> and I've, you know, a lot, I had lots of people in last weekend, you know, worried about the millipede. So the millipede is that light, dark black. Oh, we don't mind the millipede, really. Do no, we? the millipede, you know, serves a purpose as well. He eats a lot of uh, dead and dying matter. You know, he recycles plants or, or, or debris in the garden. He has a purpose, but lighting, lights and warm walls will attract them at night time. So if you've got a security light or light on, you're going to attract your millipede. Um, so turn the light off. Okay. Is, uh, is, is and there are there are treatments you can use if people have them coming into the house. I would fully understand it can be a bit annoying yeah. as you crunch across the millipedes. But uh, there are there are treatments you can put down that will will control them. But look at they are a normal garden 
uh, they're not even a pest. You know, they're they're, they're nor- normally they're part of our they're part ecology. Of the eco, yeah, the ecosystem. Yeah. So, and it's always at this time of year you you get them coming onto okay. walls. Um, so. Okay. Ignore or, or, turn, or just turn off the light. Turn off the light. Yeah, the light does attract them. Um, Jimmy is wondering what's the maximum distance between beech plants for a hedge? Well, if you're planting beech, you can plant them either as a single row, but the problem with that is that you can see through them in wintertime. Mm. So if Jimmy wants to have a nice little bit of privacy uh, from his beech hedge, my recommendation is to double plant them. So that means putting in a staggered row and spacing them 18 inches apart. So 18 inches in the in a linear row and 18 inches in the double row as well and just just literally space them and that'll give you uh, particularly in winter time it'll give you near an impenetrable and and also better shelter and better screening from the hedge so 18 inches apart it's easy to remember it's two plants per linear meter as a single row or you're putting four plants in per linear meter as a double row right. and and again the beech need to get into the ground now fairly soon they're coming into leaf you can see as it, we yes, speak yeah, you can, as we yeah, speak you can yeah, so the they moment. need to be planted uh, Sean isn't you this is more a comment than a question uh, loves the programme and the advice <laughs> in terms I guess this is the hares in terms of the hares and the rabbits I got a Jack Russell dog <laughs> <laughs> we haven't any hares in the garden well, well there you Sean, go <laughs> we have a Jack Russell dog in our house too and he's got oh, he's only got three legs but he's still very effective <laughs> well, on the turned go. front for the rabbits there anyway yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks for that. Um, now, is it warm enough to sow wildflower seeds, Paul? Yes, it is, yeah. And the sowing of seed in general, outdoor seed, uh, be it wildflower seed or uh, even annual seeds like English marigolds or white alisum, they can be sown safely into the ground this time of year. So wildflower, when you're sowing wildflower, you want to have the ground relatively weed-free. So I would advise kind of clearing off any grass or weeds that are there, first of all, because they're just going to come through your wildflower meadow otherwise. So treat those treat the area with something like weed free 360 which won't contaminate the soil um, it'll take about a week to you know a week seven to ten days to work and you just literally give the, the area light raking put down your wildflower seed it'll germinate then within a couple of weeks you'll see the young plants appearing and they will flower from July August sort of period now remember that the annuals flower in year one and the perennials come in year two so some of the plants will flower this year and more will, will grow and they'll be green but they won't flower until the following season. And where you're putting in a wildflower meadow, it's often a good idea then in the autumn to plant in some spring bulbs, or even at this time of year, to plant things like irises or nearines that, that flower in the autumn. So you could do a mixture of wildflower seed and some bulbs, summer flowering bulbs as well, just as a mix. Now, Maureen is in Swinford and she's wondering, is now the time to set strawberries and where is the best place to set them? She has a raised bed. Perfect. Perfect, Maureen. I mean, strawberries will grow in hanging baskets, window boxes. They'll grow in an old shoe if you put them into it. They're not that fussy. Yeah, so um, look at strawberries are easy to grow. They're great for kids. Um, So look, get yourself a window box, good quality compost, bang in maybe six or eight plants, sit them up in your windowsill, regular watering, feeding once they start to produce their fruit. So when you see the fruit forming in mid-June, that's the time to feed them with a tomato feed. And the kids will have fantastic strawberries then from July onwards. So plant them now. You know, I often plant up a hanging basket with with mixed flowering plants and Mm. stick a couple of strawberry plants in as well. You can stick them in amongst vegetable plants. I mean, you can plant them anywhere. You can grow them in a tunnel and greenhouse. You can grow them outside. They're such an easy plant to grow. There's no real restriction. No, and they're great for kids. If you plant them now, they'll be in flower in a couple of weeks' time. The fruit will be on them then by midsummer. 
Is it too late to plant laurels and are bare root or potted best? Well, the bare root season has finished now, so, so you're, you're you're into pot it. Yeah, so it's pot it. The planting conditions are perfect for putting in hedges in general. So get your laurels into the ground. For listeners that have planted during the autumn or winter period, trim those back now. Just tip them back, take an inch or two off the tops and the sides, give them a feed and that'll boost them on. So it's important to kind of make sure that they start to branch from ground level. So light trimming back on all laurels is highly advisable at this time of year before they come into full growth and a bit of feeding as well. Okay, great. Uh, Can I set forest flame now from a slip? No. No. And forest flame is difficult to root from cuttings. You're better to get one of the little rooting globes, the little, um, it's a little device that you clasp onto the, the branch of the forest flame and it, and it, it produces a root that way. So um, it's, it's a good time of year for planting them, certainly. They're available in garden centres at the moment for planting. But cuttings, you could try them in the autumn. September, October would be an easier time to try a cutting, but they are quite difficult. You really need a little heated propagator to propagate them well or use the little rooting globe, which is great for things like rhododendrons, camellias, um, more difficult shrubs like that, forest flame. Um, you simply just, it fits onto the actual plant. It air layers. It's a way of propagating mm-hmm. the plants during the, the winter months and you get yourself a new plant then by the following spring. Great. You mentioned a tree or shrub that grows in waterlogged areas. Uh, was that last week on the programme? Well, the ones that will grow in waterlogged areas, there's uh, three in particular. So alders do really well. They'll tolerate quite wet conditions. They'll actually grow with their feet in water. Willows will tolerate, again, wet conditions, quite quite damp mm-hmm. um, conditions. And if it's, you know, slightly, you know, maybe flooding for a period and then drying out, you could also grow silver birch as well. So those three do are probably the best for right. uh, waterlogged. But particularly alder and particularly willows are probably the two of the very best for waterlogged conditions have to dry it up. Now, I picked approximately 200 conkers last autumn. Wow. I planted all of them together Great. in a few large pots. They're all growing now over the last two weeks. They're approximately four inches high. Brilliant. What is the next step I take with these plants to get them to a tree? When do I transplant? Well, transplant wow. now. So that's fantastic, isn't it? That. That's a fantastic <laughs> altogether. So, uh, do you ever play conkers? You did? Yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, look at their, 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 their conkers, the conkers, the, the seed of the horse chestnut. So, remember that they are actually going to grow to quite large trees. So, be careful where you actually plant them. But what I would do with them now is to take them. Get a little ridge or an area in the garden, a kind of spare piece of soil in the garden. Create a little raised bed or a, a ridge and literally plant them into that. So spacing them about six inches apart. So take each plant, each sprout of plant now, space them six inches apart in a ridge area and let them grow for at least two years. Put a little bamboo cane on the plants to keep them nice and straight and they'll form, they'll grow probably a foot to 15 inches this year and next season they'll put on up to two feet of growth Um, and and basically you're creating a small little nursery bed to grow on the horse chestnuts now the next challenge would be where to put them in in, uh, you know and and not near horses am I correct in that or is that Um, am I I mixing up my trees no well the tree the main tree that that sickens horses is is sycamore sycamore, sorry is actually sycamore Uh, but but horse or horse chestnut is a a parkland tree and it does need to have plenty of space they're going to be big the other way you can grow them is in pots so simply pot each of them up into uh, maybe a uh, kind of five or six inch pot with potting compost and a bit of soil and grow them on there but the nursery bed or the raised area is probably the easier way 
to actually grow them. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there. We are going to just mention, uh, can we mention uh, our plants again? There's a few questions on well, that. Well, the, the, the plant, uh, I suppose, I feature was the lemon-scented geranium. It's one called Orange Fizz. Make sure it's that variety you get because there are other scented uh, geraniums, but the scent isn't as intense. So Orange Fizz is the variety for the really strong smell. Okay. You'll know it as soon as you touch it. It'll be, you'll smell it from your fingers. And the other plant I mentioned was the English Marigold. Now, I'm actually in the garden centre today as well in Turlock, so if people want to pop in and see me, I'll be there from 12 o'clock okay. through till five. And we'll talk to you next Saturday as well. Thanks very much, Lauren. Sorry, we're out of time. That's it. Michael Neary coming your way after 10 for the moment from me. Good morning to you.